Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. I pray that you touch us. Touch us, Lord, touch us. Give us hearing ears. I speak your peace, your stillness into every heart, every life. For you said, be still and know that I am God. Help us to be still in the midst of all that is happening in our lives, to be still so that we may hear your voice as we listen to your word. Because it's the entrance of your word that brings light. And it is light that dispels darkness. It is light that enables us to have fellowship with you and with one another. Speak to us this morning, Father. For your word is life. Your word is spirit. Your word is healing. Your word brings strength and power and deliverance. Spirit of God, I come at this time into thy hands. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us. Even now, Lord. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I hope you are following the messages over the weeks. Because we continue. As the Lord leads us. This morning we'll go first to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. Galatians 5 and verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We've been looking at, or primarily, I've been looking at, we have different brethren teaching, but I've been led to teach you the most misunderstood person in the Trinity. Yet without him, God does nothing. It's the Holy Spirit, the most misunderstood person in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one. They function as one. That's why God tells Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. The biblical account begins with God, His Word, and His Spirit. Genesis 1-2 will say the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. While Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, John 1, 1 will say, in the beginning was the word. So you see, they always work together. We pray to the Father. We know quite about Jesus. Much of the confusion within the church, not outside, within the church. Outside they fight about the word because the word is truth. So they fight the word tooth and nail, every dispensation. Within the church, much of the confusion is with the Holy Spirit. But God never does anything outside of His Spirit or without His Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It is not just mere power or an it. He is a person. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Our life actually, our life for believers, our born again life, begins with Jesus, the Word, and the Spirit. It begins with the Spirit. Today we are looking at the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, when Jesus talks to this incredibly learned theologian called Nicodemus, who has the Word, but doesn't have the Spirit. And because he doesn't have Spirit, he doesn't have the life that is from above. So he tells him, Jesus answered him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, can we leave the water aside, and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He says, unless one is born of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And that which is born of flesh is flesh. That's how we were all born, born of flesh. But that is which is born of spirit is spirit. If we are born of the spirit, there is something in us, is spirit, is of God. And then, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you can hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Everyone who is born of the spirit Their lives are different, radically different from those of outside the kingdom. Jesus, when he came down onto earth in this body, in this flesh, his beginning in his human life, his beginning was of the spirit. He's setting the pattern. Our pattern is of Jesus. In uh, uh, Luke or Matthew, the, which I gave Matthew 1.18, scripture says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. He's our pattern. Okay, it's as follows. After Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is our pattern. Jesus, when he came, because he was God who came in the flesh, but he was born of the Spirit. That's his beginning. So our beginning also is we have to be born of the Spirit. He was born of the Spirit. For the next 30 years, for the next 30 years, we speak, see him speak only once. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, born, literally born of the Holy Spirit. He takes his flesh component from his mother and he takes the spirit component from his father. He's born of the Spirit. But for the next 30 years, Nothing is recorded except once at the age of 12 he speaks. 30 years. Nothing else is mentioned. Okay? But he's living in the spirit. He's living in the spirit. Next you hear is in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. When he had been baptized... Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So at age of 30, 
He gets baptized in the water. When he comes up, something incredible happens to him. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he's now endowed with power. Okay, he's endowed with power. And now, we have a record of his activities. Understand this. Until you and I are endowed with power, there is no record of our activities. Because even though we may be born of the Spirit, our works are done in our strength. Not in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember Wednesday, God telling Zachariah, it's not by might or by my power, it's by, by my Spirit. So even Jesus, his own son, lived a fantastic Righteous, absolutely sinless, blemishless, perfect life for 30 years. Nothing is mentioned. The Father said, in whom I am well pleased. Perfect. But when his activities are going to be recorded, he has to be endowed with power by the Holy Spirit. And we have a record after that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay. It's interesting. You have to always look at how, um, this is English, little English language. Okay. When the Spirit is leading you to be tested of the wicked one, you're still being led up and not down. not let down. But when you are a man of God like Abraham and you have famine coming and you are making an incredibly intellectual decision and going to the land where there is plenty, it is still written, he went down to Egypt. Well, Jesus went up to be tested because he's being led by the Holy Spirit. That's one of the fundamentals of being led by the Spirit is if you know you're being led by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what is facing you over there, you're still being led up. It will lead to another level in your life after the testing is over. So he's going to be tested of the Holy Spirit, but he's being, sorry, tested of the devil, but he's led by the Holy Spirit. For 30 years he had been lived, he had lived by the Spirit. Now he's being taught how to walk by the Spirit, act by the Spirit. And what was the purpose? What is the purpose? What is Jesus going to be tested? What is the purpose? Chapter 4, 3 and 4 will say, When the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now he's being tested, he's been, we know the background, everybody knows, 40 days, he hasn't eaten, drunk, he's absolutely hungry, and the test is first test about his hunger, but that's not the point. The test is this, and the lesson we learn is also this. He is teaching us how to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We have a God who speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. That is the test. That is the test. The test 
primarily for him is this. Son, I'm going to teach you. You are God. But you have emptied of all your glory. You have come in the flesh. You're born of the spirit. You lived a perfect life. Incognito. Nobody knew. Secret. I saw you. I approve of it. Everything. Now you're going to act on. You have been endowed with power. I'm going to teach you how you have to hear every second from me. And then act on my word. You will hear and you will act. I'm going to teach you. And as you be the pattern, you will set a pattern for millions who will follow you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Because the word of God is, in past, Dr. Richard was praying, he said the word of God is living and act. How does it become living? When the Holy Spirit is there. Otherwise it's not living. It's written. It's memorized. It becomes living when the Holy Spirit comes. Okay, he has 66, 39 books to refer to. I don't know how many verses in the Old Testament. They were in verses in the Old Testament. They were in verses, 39 books. We have 27 extra, the New Covenant too. 39 books and the Holy Spirit who is living and active has to go into his memory bank and pick one verse and say, this is it. This is it. Okay, this is it. And he opens his mouth and he speaks. That was the purpose. What was the purpose? Man shall not live by bread alone, but shall live by every word, not that proceeded from the mouth of God, that's written, that proceeds, it becomes living. Living, okay? It's teaching us. This is exactly, we know, again, going back, recapping Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. This is what God did with Israel, the first generation. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That was the purpose. What was the purpose? The purpose was teaching them to be led by God. Okay. And they're being humbled. What is humbling? Humbling is when you cannot handle your situations. That's a humbling situation. Okay. Naturally, we are not... Everybody wants money. It's because it gives you autonomy. God led them not into the promised land. He led them into the wilderness where there is nothing. Absolute, absolute barrenness. Nothing. Nothing to eat. Nothing to drink. Nothing to protect you from above. Nothing to protect you from around the enemies that surround you. From the elements. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you said, you know what? I'm humbling you. I'm humbling you so that you trust me. Trust me. Why did they always think about Egypt even though they were slaves in Egypt? It's because in Egypt, at least after I worked, I got food. It was in my hands. Here I have to trust him every day. You know what he was teaching? Because only the humble can be led. Only the humble can be led. And the Holy Spirit's primary purpose is to lead his people. And he cannot lead most of his people. That's why people will say, give me five principles how to do this. 
We want it in our hands. Six steps to healing, four steps to prosperity, five steps to promotion. Just give it. Why? Then I have it in my hand. God says, no, you will, you will learn it as you go by. Listen to my spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The battle is between these two. The battle is between these two. The flesh will not listen to the spirit. And the spirit is constantly fighting the flesh. And Jesus is being taught. He will go by. He's hungry. He's hungry. Okay, he's hungry. And stones are there. He doesn't need stones. He can have sand or anything. He can turn it to bread. He knows he has a power. He knows God. He knows God. And he knows he is God. He has got the power. He knows he can do it. But that's not the point. The point is what is Father saying now. Later he will multiply food. He will do all kinds of miracles. Natural, supernatural, creative, everything he will do. But now he's listening. I have the power. I know the word. But that's not the point. What are you saying? And the father says, not now. But it's okay. That's why he said, learn of me. Because I'm meek and lowly. Learn of me. I'm humble. Why? Because I was led by my spirit. My father's spirit, the Holy Spirit, all those 33 and a half years, I was led by the spirit. Okay? Get, set the pattern. You have to look at this pattern. Nobody reaches here in one day, but we have to reach there one day. The sooner, the better. Jesus' first act after he rose again. First act after he rose again. Went up to heaven, work over, comes down. First act in John chapter 20. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. He says, I'm going to send you just as the Father sent me. How did the Father send him? Born of the Spirit. So what does he do? When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So these are a set of people, the disciples in the upper room, who knew the word. But we are not born again. They had a ministry. Because of the anointing that rested upon Jesus. He put that anointing on them. And said go do that work. Like the anointing that was upon Moses. Was put upon 70 others. And they started working under that anointing. The anointing that was upon him. He gave that anointing to them. Under that anointing they worked. But they were not born again. They were not born again. Now they are born again. Yet. For the next 40 days. And actually 40 days later, chronologically, Acts chapter 1, after being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So he has breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They have received it. But he say, don't go. For John truly baptized with water, and you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says, same pattern. He was born of the Holy Spirit. In his case, he had to wait 30 years to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait that long. The difference is because of the nature of his work and nature of our work. He had to be perfect and never err once because our salvation was dependent upon him. We don't have to wait that long because our works don't define our or anybody's salvation. 
So God had to bring him to a point where scripture says his obedience was perfect. Then sent him out. We don't have to wait 30 years. Okay? But now, he's telling them, you're going to through what I went through. You are going to be endowed with power. It is interesting, the recent Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, while he's teaching them, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he threw the Holy Spirit, he's teaching through the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't teach. So you will see, after he breathed upon them, and now they have the Holy Spirit in, they are born again. Scripture says in Luke 24, 45, he opened their eyes of understanding. So they could understand the scripture. Now they can see the kingdom. Earlier when they heard everything that he preached, they are outside the kingdom, and they have not been born again by the spirit, so they heard about the kingdom and says, Lord, when are you going to throw these Romans out? Why? Because they couldn't understand what he was talking about. So if you are not born again, you will not understand. Not that you will understand, you will misunderstand the sermon. You will misunderstand the sermon. It's not that you will not understand. You will misinterpret. You will misunderstand because everything that is preached is about the kingdom. That is why you have churches today full and they have to preach about the world. But they are preaching to a set of people who are not born again. You cannot preach to them the kingdom. They will not come continuously. They will not come. They cannot come. Because if it is voluntary, Jyoti, how many days will you go for Sanskrit classes? Two days. And after that, enough. I don't understand anything. Right? It's like Sanskrit and Latin to most people if you preach about the kingdom. But the kingdom... That's why the disciples started leaving. Many of them left because they couldn't see. But after they were born again, they saw, they understood, they were understanding. But even all of that did not make a difference. Because even after all the understanding, they went back fishing. Why? Because they haven't received the power. What made the difference in their lives and in the church was the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, scripture says the Holy Spirit came down in power. If you ever want to believe in a big bang theory, it happened on the day of Pentecost. The church began with a bang. They have been endowed with power. 120 people standing up, endowed with So learn from the master, learn from Jesus, learn from the patterns established because we need to be very careful we understand the third person, not necessarily third in order. He's the third person but equal with one and two. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Okay? Go home, do your homework and read Ephesians chapter 1. Read it very well, very carefully. Verses 1 to 12 is all about what God has done. What Jesus did. God did through Jesus in the power of his spirit. What he did. And when we hear what God did, verse 13 says, We who hear, we who heard, scripture says, 
in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth when we heard the word of truth we put our trust in him not in the word in him like yesterday i think ravi moses right where is ravi moses yeah he asked me a question what's the difference between the word of god and the god of the word we heard the word of god and we put trust in the god of the word our faith is not in the written word our faith is in the person whom the written word talks about he's the one who saves otherwise all you have to take is like this and you are saved no but to put your trust in the word of in the person who is the word okay so scripture says the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed we heard we believed and when you believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise you are sealed okay a young man came and asked the that's in a mission, uh, evangelical uh, crusade he came after that he asked the uh, preacher uh, sir uh, do i have the holy spirit he said no so you don't even know me he said if you have you won't ask you can't have the holy spirit and not know we heard we believed in him and however we sealed we were sealed with the holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise he's the guarantor he's the guarantor okay that's why scripture says what is the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost It's not righteousness peace and joy you may have righteousness peace and joy and no holy ghost at all you are outside the kingdom righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit it's the holy spirit who tells you about your righteousness the holy spirit who is the yardstick of your growth in righteousness so that as the holy spirit is increasing in you you also know actually you're not standing where you began you have grown so like paul at the end he's able to see the crown of righteousness the conviction and the confirmation comes from the holy spirit not because you know scripture it's not because you memorize scripture it's the holy spirit who speaks is the holy spirit who is the guarantee it is the holy spirit who is the seal he is the one please remember he is the deposit so positionally something happens when you believe in him and the holy spirit comes into you what happens positionally ephesians chapter 6 26 he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in christ jesus okay Do you know what it means? It means all who are saved and who will be saved, who are being saved, were lifted up together. Don't push each other with elbow. There is plenty of space for everybody to sit together. Millions and millions and millions were positionally lifted up before time by God who has seen the end from the beginning. He knows, and he alone knows. Lifted up and seated in Christ Jesus positionally no your position i said 
Now compare who did this. So who lifted us up? So it says he raised us up. Who raised us up? The same one who raised Jesus. Now look at chapter 1 and verse 19 onwards. And what is this exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Who is this? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus up from the dead, took him up, 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 and seated him on the right hand side of the Father. And the same Holy Spirit raised all believers and seated them in Christ Jesus in the right hand side. It's the Spirit who does the work. Okay. Now, do you understand what it means? The first work the Holy Spirit does is rest. Kuchande. Rest. Don't be restless. I see so many young people restless. They cannot sit five minutes in the church. They have to go out. Restless. Restless. That's got, they brought ants in their pants or what? Restless. Sit down. Because you've been seated. Rest. If you are restless in the church, what are you in the world? At rest. You know why? Because the Spirit of God is not in you. At rest. The first thing is because we begin from rest. We don't begin from work. We begin always from rest. And 30 years of Jesus' life was marked by rest. And three and a half years of ministry was marked by rest. Can you imagine anybody sitting quietly for 30 years? When you have been sent to do the greatest work man has ever known. The salvation of humankind. And doesn't do anything. 30 years. Why? Spirit didn't say. Didn't say. Yet on the same time is getting equipped with the word. I believe Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5 is talking about those 30 year period. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. A word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. His entire 30 years is here in two words. This is what he was doing. What is he doing? Studying the Bible. What are you doing? Sitting and studying the Bible. When do you go? When God tells you to go. And how do you know God will tell you to go? He will endow you with power. That's exactly what I asked 25 years ago. You call me to the ministry if you don't baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I am not stepping out. Not stepping out. Every other work in the world I will do. But this one, no way. This is not my work. I ain't stepping out. And on the day I stepped into the ministry, that day he baptized me with the Holy Spirit. And you'll realize suddenly... It is not as difficult as you think. Why? Because this is his work and his power that no man may boast. Here is he, sitting for 30 years. With the greatest job ever committed by God to any man. Still unknown. In an unknown little town. Waiting for the spirit to move. That's why Hebrews 4 will talk about laboring to enter into his rest. Not to labor and rest. 
But to labor to enter into his rest. It's a lifetime discipline. Remember Jesus feeding the 5,000? Lord, 5,000 men, women, children, besides six months' wages won't be enough. All our economists, no? Supply, demand, 6 months' wages, that is supply, demand, 5,000 plus people. Jesus said, what do you have? Give it to him. Give it to him. And sit down. Make them sit down. In groups of 50. Not how you like. Because there is order in God's kingdom. Sit down. In groups of 50. Sit down. That sitting down is what is difficult. Because in your fleshly eyes. All you can see is a little boy stiffen. And all you can see is the little you have. Therefore we are not able to sit down. And we are not able to sit down. It's not only that we have very little. That very little we will not give into his hands. The power is not within what you have. The power is in the voice that is beckoning you. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give me your life. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Sit down. So that's this order you see in Jesus. 30 years. Rested in God. Did what he was told to do. Quiet, godly life. Preparing himself. Then when God speaks, he moves, gets baptized. When he comes out of the water, he is endowed with power. Then he is driven. KJ will use that term, driven, right? He is driven by the Holy Spirit up into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. He 40 days of testing, of which only four or three questions are given to us. It was a huge question paper. We only got three out of it. God says, if I tell you the rest of the questions I was asked, you will stop your walk. So I'm only giving you three or four. And then how does he come back? After the testing. Four and verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And the news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Okay. That's all. God's patterns with his son was very clear. And there will be patterns in our life too. God before is sending his son out. Like I said, his life is different from our lives. But pattern is there. Before he sends him out into public ministry. He's testing him. Testing him. Before he can be proclaimed outside. You may be anointed. But you will be proclaimed in the public. Only when Goliath steps forward. Nobody till then will know you. Though you have been anointed. God is waiting for you to grow. To match your anointing. Nobody knows David. But he's been anointed. He's been anointed. But he has not been tested. He's not been tested. And Jesus is tested. Passes with full marks. 100%. And comes out. The power of the Holy Spirit. Please remember again. Note. Unlike him. There is room for failure for all the other children. He did not have room for failure. Because salvation rested on his shoulders. Jesus' ministry is best described by Paul, the New Testament pattern. That's our pattern too. In First Corinthians chapter 2. Read it slowly today at work. At home, okay? 
Ephesians chapter 1, second homework is this. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Meaning, nobody knows. But that's not what it says. But God has revealed, not will reveal, revealed them to us through his spirit. He says, if you want to know the things which I haven't seen or ears or the heart even imagined, you need my spirit. And if my spirit is there, he will show you. He will show you. He can show you. Depends upon you. It's not depend upon him. If you are ready to take it, he will show it to you. The day, three days after he was saved, Saul was said, you will suffer for me in every city. You will stand before kings and princes and you will suffer for me every day. He was shown straight away by the Holy Spirit what your ministry is like. Because he knew he could handle it. He knew his surrender was completely, he would never turn back. God knew, he will, this guy will never turn back. That's why even when he has to go for his final journey before he's being arrested in Jerusalem, Agabus the prophet takes a rope, ties his hand through the Holy Spirit, says, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem like this, you will be taken into captivity. And he says, the Holy Spirit has already shown me I need to go to Jerusalem to be taken captive. It's a man who knew. God had already revealed him. We have the Holy Spirit pattern. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For why? The spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The spirit searches all things. All things. The deep things of God, the spirit searches. And next, for what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. For what? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Okay. Why do we have the new covenant? Because there was a man who was surrendered called Paul. And God showed him all the things that is freely given to the church. And the church reads it and freely doesn't understand. Right? Because they weren't surrendered to the Holy Spirit. But that man knew. That man knew. And verse 15, yeah. These things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with with the spiritual. That's why we always go to Old Testament examples and show you New Testament doctrine because you have to compare one with the other. And only the Spirit can bring it. Can show it. It's not in man's hands. The Spirit has to teach us. Okay? But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Nor he can know them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay? Natural man, a spiritual man. Understand the difference. And then, the 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. The one who is spiritual, meaning... Not walking with your nose in the clouds, meaning who is led by the Spirit. He judges all things. But nobody can rightly judge him. So who was the ultimate spiritual man? Jesus. Look, listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 5 and John chapter 5 and verse 30. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. I, I struggle with verses like this, okay? 
Only a man who has truly from his heart completely surrendered to God will say, I can do nothing by myself. And that's Jesus. I can do, of myself, do nothing. Of myself, do nothing. And what does he say? As I hear, I judge. That's, don't you have the word? Yes. But the word has to become active. As I hear, when the spirit speaks, I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. My judgment is always right. Why? Because I never seek to do my will. I never seek to do my will. By the will of Father who sent me. Now you ask me this question. Let me ask you this question, which is not there in NIV. But when Saul of Tarsus, Apostle Paul later, knows this is Jesus of Nazareth who is speaking to him. What is his first response? Who are you, Lord? Jesus of Nazareth. What is his first response? What will you have me do? Surrender. Therefore, all his judgments were right. God could give him scripture. He understood scripture. Because of surrender, his judgments are right. Because of surrender, God could speak to him. God can only speak to surrendered people. The rest of them want formulas. But the word of God is living. It is active. It is a real person. And nobody understood Jesus. Yet every judgment of his was right. His earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, did not understand him. Or understood even what was being spoken about him. His brothers did not understand him. His disciples did not understand him. The religious class did not understand him. The experts in the Lord did not understand him. The crowds did not understand him. Nobody understood him but God. Yet every judgment he made was right. Every decision he made was right. Why? Because he listened to the Spirit of God, his Father. He listened to his Father. Romans 10 and verse 17, very familiar. If you have to write it down, that means you don't know Romans 10 17. What is 10 17? Faith comes from? Hearing. Faith comes from? And hearing by the? This, you, you see this hearing? That is the Holy Spirit. You know this word of God? That is Jesus. Faith comes from? Hearing. When the Holy Spirit comes upon the word of God, it becomes living and active. You hear. That's where faith comes. Faith is an absolute, absolute, 100% trust in God. That comes when you hear. Let me ask you this question. Peter tells Jyoti, uh, Wednesday midweek service is cancelled. Jyoti will ask Peter, he will ask Dr. Richard, he will ask everybody, are you sure, are you sure it's cancelled? But on the other hand, if I say no Wednesday meeting, will you ask anybody? See the difference? That's faith. For faith, absolute faith to come. It is not enough that you have the word of God. You need to have the living spirit speaking to you. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. And the spirit will not speak without the word. And the word will not work without the spirit. That's how God operates. So God operates. I can live basically a good, godly, religious, good life by the written word. But I cannot act. To act, I need to hear. 
And all his judgments were therefore right because he said, I do not judge on my own. I judge by what I hear. The two components. Living and walking. Do this. Do this. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. That's the Ten Commandments. That's the law. That's the truth. You can live by it. But life is more than that. Life is much more than that. The walk of faith is much more than that. Hearing, the Spirit comes. Galatians 3.2 This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you receive the Spirit? By the hearing of faith. Not by faith, not by the word of God, by the hearing of faith. Faith has a hearing component and when that you hear, the spirit comes. And 3.5 Therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracle among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Because we need the spirit, the supply of the spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the mind of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, comes in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then a little while later, he goes to Nazareth. And when he goes to Nazareth, the synagogue, he goes to the synagogue, the church, let's use our terms, where he had grown up, let's say, 25 years, sat there like any one of you, sat there for 25 years. But that day, the scroll was given to him to read. And he opened and read a portion. This is what he said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. But the first thing he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. That's the first thing he says. He says, you're asking me to read. And I will tell you why I read today and not all these days. Because the spirit of the Lord is anointed us upon me and he has anointed me. And the purpose is this. And this purpose has no meaning without the anointing. Because it's the anointing that makes the purpose possible. That's how he begins. And you know what happened in his hometown? After his first sermon, they tried to kill him. Really, they tried to kill him. Why? Because his interpretation was wrong? Because his interpretation was correct, but they didn't understand it. His judgment was correct. Absolutely. The result of a correct judgment, his own town people were trying to kill him. And he just walked through. From there he goes to Capernaum. Stop to, goes to the synagogue. And he preaches. Power, authority. Who declares who he is? Not man, the demon. It's a demon sitting in the church. Inside a person, a demon. Demon says, We know who you are. Son of the Most High. He says, keep quiet and get out. And they say, what kind of doctrine is this? Next, he goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house. She's sick, heals her. Evening, sick has all come. He sleeps. Early in the morning, he rises. You know, 
goes to pray. Very early in the morning he goes to pray. Whole town has come with their sick people. Imagine if Jesus were to come today to Hyderabad. All the typhoid, malaria, dengue cases will be around. Something like that. Everybody has come with their sick people. Jesus says, I need to go to the next town to preach. Let me ask you this question. Did his disciples understand this? Do you think Peter's mother-in-law understood this? She must have cooked something special for him. Must be thinking he's going to stay because all these people are here. The need is here. Do you think the town understood him? Do you think anybody understood him? Was his judgment right? That's right. That's exactly what it's meant. The spiritual man judges all things. But he is not rightly judged. That's why God says, don't make judgments. Because sometimes you make judgments about people who are being led by the Spirit and your judgments will be absolutely wrong. Because they have heard. They have heard. They have heard. Moses, why are you bringing us here? Where in their graves in Egypt? You look, friend is the Red Sea, back is the Pharaoh. All around we have no way to escape. How did you bring it here? Because I heard. Nobody understood it. I heard. And I led. And we have come here. But how are we going to escape? I don't know. The one who spoke will make a way. Because he's real. You don't hear him. I hear him. That's what God is talking about. And he has never changed. Nobody understood Jesus. Nobody understood Elijah. Nobody understood Elisha. Nobody understood Abraham. But their judgments when they heard were always right. And whenever they listened to flesh, the judgments were wrong. Sarah, I have, I'm not going to have a baby. So you know what? Why don't you try my way? Was the judgment right? When Abraham received a judgment, was it right? The cloud is going, fire by night, cloud by day. Everything is there. Two trumpets are there. Everything is there. And then Moses goes and asks, last Wednesday, whom does he ask? His brother-in-law. You know the place very well. Why don't you lead us? He said, no, I am not coming. Please, 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 our God will really bless you. Was his judgment right? No. Whenever he listened to his father-in-law or his brother-in-law, his judgment was wrong. Why do you need anybody to lead you when the cloud is going before you and the ark is going ahead of you? Why do you need? Let's look at one more example. I want you to reinforce it because over and over again, because we are coming to that time and that age, we are coming there. Luke chapter 2. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. This is Jesus, 40 days old. He's 40 days old. Uh, a little older than Srikant and Sapna's baby, 40 days old. Brought, see, they're bringing it earlier. Okay, he was brought 40 days. But that's a different, that's also law. You can bring it on the first day also. I have no issues. Okay. 40 days old, he's brought to the temple. The king has come to his temple. Everybody is there in the temple. All the people in the temple are the people who know the law. They know the text. They know the word. Everybody, experts of the law are there. But what everything in the Bible points to, that person is there. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Except one man. And why did that man know? Narrative is here. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. You could be this and not have this. 
still you are lost. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Second, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon is growing older and older and older and older and older. It doesn't trouble him. Right? Because he knows he will not die. Are you troubled by age? Are you troubled by your sickness? Has it been revealed to you that you will not die until something is over in your life? Why God has changed? How did Peter know it's time for him to go home? How did Paul know it was time for him to go home? And how did John know it was not time for him to go home? He knows. It's been revealed to you. You will die. Yes. When will you die? After you have seen. After you have seen this particular incident happens in your life, you know it is time for you to go home. It's the same God. God has never changed. That is what is called entering into his rest. When you have heard from God, there is rest. There is rest. And what happens? It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he will not. And then, you know when that actual day Jesus came, he was not in church. The day Jesus was brought to the temple, he was not in the church. It doesn't matter. Because he came by the Spirit into the temple. When? It's interesting if you read it. Okay? This is where Simeon is, somewhere far away. And that's where Jesus and Joseph, Joseph, Mary and Jesus are coming. And he's being told by the Holy Spirit, move. And as he is moving, they enter. Appointment. He comes. And they come in. And when the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the law, then it. My question too is, there are so many children over there. How do you know which is the right child? There are so many children at the back. So many. They all look alike. At 40 days, all the children look alike. How do you know which is the son of God? How do you know? Through the Holy Spirit. Do you know why God keeps on saying, when my son comes a second time, be careful, all those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Otherwise, he will not know. He will come and he will go. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. Waiting for rapture becomes capture. And then, took him in his arms, and the next thing that you happen is a gift of the Holy Spirit operating through him. He prophesies over the child. He prophesies over the child. So the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had the revelation of Holy Spirit about his life. And on the day Jesus came in, the Holy Spirit moved him. And when he took Jesus into his hands, the Holy Spirit activates a gift in him. So he prophesies over his child. And scripture says, Joseph and Mary were amazed at his words. They didn't understand one thing. Can you believe that you can live with this baby all these days and not understand one word that the Spirit is speaking through another man about your baby? Interesting things in the Bible. Are you hearing it? Koncham, koncham. Why we need the Spirit? This is how Paul will explain in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. 
who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. There is the letter, and then there is the spirit. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The spirit has to work on the letter, gives life. That's why Jesus, when he came and he says, my words, not just letter. It is spirit and it is life. Without the spirit, there is no life. Therefore, the confusion always has been about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our personal life and in the ministry, in the church. Everybody has the word. At that level, we are all equal. Read your text. What makes the difference? The difference is the spirit. Imagine all, all the people are all, like imagine a scene in Texas. How the body is going on, no? All in Texas. Everybody looks six feet two inches, six feet two. Everybody looks the same. Everybody looks strong. Everybody looks equal. And then one guy moves his coat and you see he's got a gun. Now he's more equal. He's got something the others do not have. Everybody had the text. Jesus had the spirit. That made the difference. And he had the spirit without measure. Because his surrender was without conditions. That made the difference. There was no equal to him. Why? It's not because of the text. It was because of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament, the pattern is this. 1 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. Did I give it? Yeah. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was? Christ. Read John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. Then you will understand. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out to them saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I don't know where the pointer has gone these days. Where is the pointer? Disappear? Okay. Let me explain to you. There were two things they experienced. Israel experienced in the wilderness. One was manna, one was water. For the manna, they had to do nothing. Every morning, manna came down. Every day, the word is there. But to receive the water, the rock had to be stricken. That way the spirit wouldn't come. So Jesus saying, anyone who is thirsty, come. But he was talking about the Holy Spirit who will come one day when after he's stricken, the Spirit will flow. That's why when he struck the rock a second time, God is actually saying a new covenant thing. You insulted my Spirit of grace. You insulted my Spirit of grace. For the water to come, the rock has to be struck. The manna came freely. So for the anointing to come, there is the brokenness that is required. But it's the anointing that changes everything. Because for the Holy Spirit to be released into our lives, he had to be stricken. That's why God says, be careful about my spirit. Be careful about my spirit. 
Be careful about my spirit. Do you know what it cost me to release my spirit to you? My son had to be stricken. Manna came every day. Manna came every day. But not the spirit. For the spirit to come, the rock had to be stricken. And that's what God is trying to tell us about. It is the Holy Spirit upon the word that made they could have eaten manna all day and still died of thirst. Still died of thirst. And that's what happened to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are full of the word and were dying. They had no spirit. And when they opened them out, they killed. Because without the spirit, the letter kills. So understand why you and I need the Holy Spirit. And be very careful how we deal with the Spirit of God and invite Him every day. Every day, everything, practical, everything. There's nothing a believer can or should do without the Spirit. The first thing. Remember how many years we prayed, we used to pray? Father, give us the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. For what? To understand your word. Don't try to understand the word on your own. Intellectuals have died after memorizing the scripture and not without the spirit and gone to hell. John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. Interesting thing Jesus says. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Wow. Who is he speaking to? His disciples. He says, I have lots of things to teach you, but you cannot handle it now. Why? Atma Laidu. You don't have the spirit. You don't have the spirit. So I have many things to tell you, but I cannot tell you now. But I'll tell you, he is saying, you cannot bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Listen very carefully to the Holy Spirit too. Jesus says, I don't judge anything on my own. I judge as I, I hear. The Holy Spirit comes. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he... Interesting with this Godhead. They will not do anything without hearing each other. Do you see? And we do everything without listening to anybody. In the Godhead, the Son won't do anything without hearing from the Father. The Spirit won't do anything without hearing from the Father and the Son. They hear. That's why always in mission fields I say the first discipline is the discipline to hear. Listen. Learn to hear. Learn to hear. The Holy Spirit will hear. And He will speak. And He will teach you. Now let me ask you this question. The book of Romans. Who wrote it? Holy Spirit, not Jesus. Jesus didn't write anything, you know that? He's one man who never wrote anything. The only thing is written, written, he wrote, he wrote on the land. That's all he wrote. Who wrote the book of Romans? Holy Spirit. You see, it's not Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. These are not stuff which Jesus taught them. This is what Jesus taught his disciples through the Holy Spirit. Who wrote the letters to Corinthians? Ephesians, Galatians, all the way till Revelation? The Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who wrote them. These are mysteries. They were not ready to understand even here. They wouldn't have understood anything if he had spoken. 
But he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, I will speak to you. Now what has been given to us, we understand them through only the Holy Spirit. Outside the Holy Spirit. We are not going to understand it. That's why Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17, Paul will pray. Yeah. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give it to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Buddhi, Gyan or Prakash ki Atma. We need that Prakash ki Atma. Revelation. That's why the Bible ends with revelation. And only the Holy Spirit can give you revelation. Nobody else can give you revelation. 1 John chapter 2, 24. This is the word. This is the text. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. The word which you heard from the beginning, the word of God, the text. This is what we call the text. Let it abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. You heard the word, let it abide in you, live in you, live according to that. You are abiding in the Son and the Father. And the next. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. If the anointing of the Holy Spirit abides in you, what does the anointing do? You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, and it is not a lie, just it has taught you, you will abide in him. He says, you know what? It's the anointing that will teach. It's the anointing that enables me to teach. It's the anointing that enables you to receive and to know if there is error. It's the anointing. The anointing will teach you. He says, without the anointing, you will not learn. You will not understand. Because kingdom of God, the word of God is spirit. It is not intellectually discerned. It is spirit. The anointing. And 1 John 2, 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. If you have an anointing from the Holy One, you understand scripture. You understand what is happening. So please remember why... You and I need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, this is just a text. You can listen to as many preachers you want, have read any many, how many commentaries if you want and all. But that is all secondary. Primary is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will show you from each speaker, that is revelation, that is him. That is revelation, that is him. That I gave to him, that he is giving to yourself. It will show you. And it is revelation that matters. It is that is life. He teaches us. And we want to be taught. We want to be taught. Go to the second one. Second Corinthians chapter 3, 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter from the spirit, but the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now let me ask you this question. Let's put it as, uh, can I have an IV over there so that the younger children will understand better? I really want all you young people to perk up your ears, older people too, and listen. Do you get it? Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our 
competence comes from God. And he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives. So what does it mean? He says, you're born of the spirit. And the spirit of God is upon you. You become competent, which others don't have. And you have to believe and trust the spirit every day. Think for a minute. Think for a minute. Okay? Think for a minute. Joseph, a young 17-year-old boy, is arrested. Not arrested. Sold by his brothers. And he's on the block. Slave block. He's sold. He's bought by Potiphar and brought to this huge palace. Because Potiphar is the captain of the guard. The royal guard. Potiphar interviews him in the evening. Say, okay, tell me, what's your resume? Let me see where I can put you in my household. So what does Joseph say? Uh, I did my MBA in HR and administration from the Kanan Institute of Management. Is that what he says? And how did he become the head of the household? Where did his competence come from? It was God was with him. To the spirit of God who was upon him. So let me ask you, was he actually trained for that job? But was he picked for that job because the anointing was upon him? And why do you struggle? That's what he meant to Israel, you shall be the head and not the tail. How? Not just by confessing, but allowing my spirit to come over you and walk in the spirit. You shall be the head because you have a competence which they do not have. She do not have. So it doesn't matter where he was put and he was transferred from high to low in human eyes. His competence was always the same. In Genesis 41, 37, finally from the Gentile king's mouth, he hear the reason for his competence. This is what he says. So the advice was good in the eyes of, oh no, 36 I think. Yeah, how come I always get that one, that one verse? Mixed by one verse, yeah. That is 41, right? Last time also, I think. Yeah, 38. So the spirit, the Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the? The gentle king saw that. Other portions earlier says the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him. But the Gentile king, so he says, you know what, the spirit of God is with him. Remember Daniel? In the University of Babylon? The best in the country, in the world at that time? To us, the best. They probably had the best facilities, the best teachers, the best, 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 best. You have to go to what we call Ivy League academies to encounter headweight. You feel like, just like, Jacob, you worm, you don't have to be told. You feel like that. That's what happened when I went to Iflu. I'm looking at all around. This one, this university first rank, that one, that university first rank. There is nobody who is not a non-ranker there except me. That's how... Daniel must have felt in the university. All the rankers from 133 provinces are there. In the midst of the Jewish boy. How do you feel? Right? Just pass. 
Go to this corporate sector and all these ones with their this thing and coming in like that and they speak with this American accent put on or real, we don't know. And you, yeah, you feel like a oh Lord, only scripture that is coming to my mind is Jacob you worm, Jacob you worm. But the issue is that God's eye is on Jacob the worm. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, this is the first king. At last Daniel came before, his name was Belteser, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. In him is the spirit. You need to realize what made Daniel different and his friends different. Is the spirit of God was with them. And I told the dream before him, Belteser, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you. This is a Daniel in whom is the spirit of God anointing without being born in the spirit. And here are people sitting who are born of the spirit and have access to the anointing. And struggle. 4.18 Yeah. This dream I Nebuchadnezzar have seen. Now you Belteser declare its interpretation. Since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me that the interpretation. But you are able for the spirit of the holy God is in you. This is what used to happen to me in the hostel in Iflo. All this high bro. Discussing theory, discussing, uh, they will throw names, you know, which will make you collapse. Jacques Lacan and Derrida and Chomsky and all that. In the middle, I'll put in my two bits, it is written. And they had no answer to that, it is written. And they will try to question, but how can there be a canon? Canon means an absolute. You have to understand university terms, okay? It is written. All your Derrida, Lacan, Chomsky all fall to the ground before it is written. All those guys, those years, you could actually search on Google, Profs in JNU, Principals and Stephens, HCU, all the central universities. I look at their names, they're all Profs over there. Every one of them. At the highest places. But, it's the word. It's the spirit that matters. And that's what he says. Do you think any one of them have a solution to what is happening in this world? No, only the word of God. They will talk about global warming, global warming. All the children bunk classes went on global warming. There is no solution to global warming because global warming is the result of global sinning. And they will never speak about it. There is a solution. If my people call by my name, they humble themselves and repent. God says, I will heal the land. They will not talk about that because that demands a change of lifestyle. They will not speak about that. So what? Weird solutions. Next king, Daniel 5.11. There is a man. This is not Nebuchadnezzar. So that's another one. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the Ah, that's what they always say about Joseph and Daniel and all. It's not that there is a man in your kingdom who did his PhD from Oxford. They don't say that in him. Who is the? Because when the you are faced with situations in life, you will rise. There is an end to the soul. 
There are a lot of things you can reach in the soul of man. After that, there is nothing. The spirit only can. So you take any case. Psychiatrist will say, okay, put him on this medicine and put him on antidepressants because he can only look at the soul. You come to us, we will say, in the name of Jesus, get out. You go beyond the soul where the affliction is in the spirit. When people came to Jesus, he didn't give them a prescription. He says, this is the reason. And the reason is beyond the body, it is in the spirit. It is not in the soul. It is in the spirit. And only the Holy Spirit can reach there. That's the difference. It's not that we can heal everything, only if he shows. If he doesn't show, we are as dumb as the rest. And it is his autonomy and his sovereignty to show or not to show. Who are we? This is autonomy. It is sovereignty because he is the only one who has seen the end from the beginning. And if he doesn't show, we don't know. So you have a competence. A competence that comes from God. And you have to believe. That's how you step out in faith under the anointing. You can realize, you know what, Lord? I trust you. You are there with me. I believe, Lord. You will help me. In the work, look at the Old Testament pattern, Exodus 31 verses 1 to 5. They're going to make the tabernacle. Okay, the tabernacle furnishings all have to be made. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the, for what? To work in metal. What did I do? He's going to work in metal. All manner of workmanship to design artistic works to work in gold, in silver and bronze. For that, what did I do? I put my spirit in him so that he will design. How do you see your work? Are you working in the kingdom or outside the kingdom? Are you working for the king? If you're working for the king, God says, I'll put my spirit in you so that what you design, it will be for me and for the kingdom. My spirit. Because when you work for the king, nothing is ordinary. Everything is extraordinary. I put my Holy Spirit in him. What are you building? Joshua was to succeed Moses. So God said, give him more responsibility. Before you do more responsibility, you need to do one thing. First verse, Numbers 27. And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua the son of Nun, you a man in whom is the Okay, he said, when you pick a man, pick a man in whom is the spirit. And lay your hand on him. That's why you have an entire doctrine called the laying of hands. Lay your hand on him. And Elias, the high priest, set him before the congregation, before the priest and the congregation. And Deuteronomy 34, 9, when he laid hands on him, what happened? And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. Did you see? God is saying, train Joshua to take over from you. But the takeover from you, you pick Joshua because my spirit is already in him. But lay your hands on him because he needs a spirit of wisdom to lead my people. How do you see your work? Do you know how, how easy work begins when the spirit of God is there? This is what happened in the book of Acts in chapter 4 and verse 13. Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin. Yeah, move. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marvel. Who is marvel? The PhDs. 
the Sanhedrin, 70 people with all the degrees possible in theology are sitting there in their costumes. And they're looking at these two fishermen. They're not Peter and John are fishermen. And they're listening to them. Unlearned, uneducated, and untrained. And then their assumption is this, because they had they had heard Jesus too, and they couldn't say anything to him. They shut their mouths with Jesus. They said, okay, yeah, yeah, these guys have been with Jesus. But that was not the reason. They had been with Jesus, and they had run away from Jesus, and they had betrayed Jesus. What changed was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had come. Their reasoning was not the right one. The reasoning, the actual reason is after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John changed. The power had come. The anointing had come. And I could give you hundreds of examples from the Bible. Over and over and over. What I'm trying to teach today is without the Spirit, you can't do anything that God wants you to. And with the Spirit, you can do everything that God wants you to do. Judges 3.10 The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he? Israel. He went into war. The Lord delivered him. But how did he begin? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. 6.34 This is Gideon. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet. And all the people gathered. It didn't matter who they were. Background didn't matter. Age didn't matter. Size didn't matter. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they changed. Ehud was left-handed. Which in war is a disability. But when the Holy Spirit came, he rescued Israel. Shamgar was an ox herd. And all he had was an ox god. When the Holy Spirit came, he became a warrior. Samson suddenly was accosted by the Philistines. When the Holy Spirit came, he looked around. All he found was the jawbone of a donkey. And that was enough. Thousands of Philistines lay dead. Because it didn't matter what he had in his hand. What it mattered was whether the Spirit came upon him or not. When the anointing comes upon you, it doesn't matter who you are. Moses, what is in your hand? <laughs> Poor fellow, 40 years after sheep. What is in your hand? He says, this rod. He says, with this rod, I'll bring my people out. That's all I need. Lord, you don't know this is Egypt, chariots, iron chariots, soldiers, armies, greatest nation. He says, no problem. That stick is coffee. Chalega. When my anointing comes upon it, that's enough. I'll bring my people out. Did you see? We learn through the Holy Spirit. Our competence comes from the Holy Spirit and our greatest struggle. We all want to live godly lives. Anybody who doesn't know, who who willingly, lovingly wants to live an ungodly life? We all want to live godly life, right? Let me tell you, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot live the life. That's why nobody in the old covenant could overcome. It's not possible. I will tell you the truth. Without the anointing, the law is better. Ten commandments are better than the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't have the anointing. Law is better. 
If you have doubts, go today and read the Sermon on the Mount. Verily, verily, I tell you, your heart will collapse. If you read Romans chapter 8, the entire Romans chapter 8 is about the Holy Spirit. Starting with words when there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let me give you the clue from the Old Testament prophecy about the new covenant people. Ezekiel 26, 36, 26. Read Romans 8 also today. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What is God saying? I will do all this. I'll take, give you a new heart, put a new spirit. I'll take the old heart, give you a new heart. Look at verse 37. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. He says, first what will I do? You'll be born again. I'll give you my spirit. New heart, new spirit. Then I will give you my spirit. He will empower you to walk in my ways. Cause you to walk in my ways. To keep cause you to walk and keep my judgments. You can. With my spirit, you can. Without my spirit, you cannot. Do you see our struggles? Because we haven't received what God has said, his spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26. Another thing we all struggle with. The help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, he will teach you all things. You don't worry, he will teach you all things. Meaning he won't teach you everything. He will teach you everything you and I need to know. He will teach me more things because I am a teacher. So some things I may not need, but somebody may need. But he will teach you all the things which we need to know in this life. Who teaches? The Holy Spirit. Peter, do you remember your tables? Two into two, two, three, all you remember? When you, when you go to the shop to buy something, you give him a hundred rupee note and he gives you fifty five rupees, fifty paisa, fifty paisa is not there. He gives you fifty six rupees back. You know it is right, right? How do you know? Because what you learned years and years ago has come to your remembrance and you know it is right, right? It's exactly what scripture says. He will bring it to your remembrance. Our job is to study and read the text. He will bring it into your remembrance. He will bring to our remembrance. Lord, what do I need for this situation? Scripture says, he will teach you and he will bring to your remembrance. You may have heard a message which in 2008. But in 2019, October 1st, you need an answer to a problem. And you lean on to the Holy Spirit. He will lead you right over there and bring to your remembrance. Bring to your remembrance. Do you know how much we have to lean on His Spirit? I don't have to remember everything. I don't have to remember everything. Because I cannot. None of us can. You will say, commit it into your memory. Let me forget. There is one who never forgets. Who can bring it back. It's the Holy Spirit. What about 
in their current situation, if you have to speak. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. Actually, don't even prepare and go. Because when you prepare and go, it will be your intellectual wisdom which they will come back with ten times better than you. Because they are smart. Say, Lord, I have to go. I have to speak. Now, Lord, and I stand there, give me the boldness, give me the utterance. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That's what happened to Peter and John. In that very hour, they opened their mouth and they spoke. And they spoke unlearned, uneducated. Unlearned, uneducated. Stephen, who was waiting at the tables, suddenly is catapulted before the Sanhedrin. And he says, brothers, boy, Acts chapter 7 is a stunner. I learned more about the book of Genesis from Stephen's speech than Genesis itself. Because it's a stunner. Where did he get this from? Steve, where did you get it from? That hour, I will tell you what to say. You know, when you lean on to the Holy Spirit, suddenly you have a lot of confidence and boldness. Oh Lord, I don't have to worry. That's what he said. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you till the end. Who? His Spirit. That's what Jesus said. It's better for you to go, for me to go. Because once I go, He will come. And what about prayer? Our greatest, second greatest struggle. Five minutes, prayer over. Because no more, nothing left in the mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. Likewise, who? The Spirit. Also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's the first thing. Go before God and say, Lord, I don't know what to pray for. And... But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God says, you know what? Difficulty in prayer? Lean on to my Spirit. He will teach you how to pray. Surrender yourself. He will pray through you. Another language. I thought of finishing at 11.30, but I'm not finishing you off at 11.30. Let me finish what I have. And the biggest thing for the, for the children of God, we are in battle. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And how do we overcome? This is the victory that has overcome the world. What is that? Our faith. Romans 12.11, sorry, Revelation 12.11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the work of Jesus Christ, by the word of their mouth, of their testimony, and they did not love their lives, even unto their, they were absolutely surrendered. Remember, Saturday pastor's conference, two loves, two fears. One love is healthy. What is that? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. The killer love, Love of self. 
Two fears. Fear of man, fear of God. Okay? They did not love their loves. So we have to overcome. And how do we overcome? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Again we know. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity of the obedience of Christ. This is the battle. You win here, you win out. If you lose here, you lose out. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. Above all. Okay? Above all. First you can be given a whole armor. After that, above all. What do we take? The shield of faith. With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all. Above all. The shield of faith. And verse 17, two things. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So above all, what are we supposed to take? See the shield, the Roman soldier is talking about is almost as big as this door. The armored personal carrier was actually invented by the Romans. When a Roman legion marched, their, their shield was so big, they could actually march covering everything. Three people held this up, the next covered this side and they would march. It doesn't matter what is being shot, they could march. So the modern concept about the armored personal carrier came up, came from the Roman soldiers. That was the nature of their shield. So only if it escaped the shield was your armor necessary. That's why scripture is saying above all, shield. Genesis 15.1 Quickly, okay Sammy. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham and saying, do not be afraid, I am your, I am your shield. Proverbs 35. Every word of God is pure, he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Next one. Psalm 18.30. Oh God, behold our shield, look upon the face of your anointed. And Psalm 84, verse 9. Oh God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Now we will connect an Old Testament vision and a New Testament vision. An Old Testament prophecy and a New Testament prophecy and bring it together. Okay? Listen carefully. Because it's relevant to our times. Though it was Isaiah who saw it. Isaiah 21, 2-4. A distressing vision is declared to me. The treacherous dealer deals treacherously and the plunderer plunders. Go up, O Elam, besiege, O media. All its sighing I have made to cease. Therefore my loins are filled with pains. Pangs have taken hold of me like the pangs of a woman in labor. I was distressed when I heard it. I was dismayed when I saw it. And then my heart wavered. Fearfulness frightened me. The night for which I longed, he turned into fear for me. This is what I say. Right? What did he actually see? What did he actually see? He saw something that is going to happen in the future. Verse 9. Look, here comes a chariot of men with a pair of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. Multiple effects then and now. Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. All the carved images of our gods, he has broken to the ground. That is when he his day turned into dread. He saw Babylon, great nation, has fallen. 
Babylon has fallen. Fast forward to Revelation 18 and verse 2. And he cried mightily with a loud voice. It will happen very soon in the future. Very soon in the future. What does it say? Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Babylon, Babylon is fallen. What does God say in verse 4 to his children? I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Isaiah sees the vision, he sees the vision and he's paralyzed in fear and then he sees the horsemen coming with the message, Babylon has fallen, Babylon has fallen. John the apostle sees this vision, which will happen in the recent future, very soon. Babylon is fallen, Babylon is fallen and God telling his people, come out, come out of it. And what is the response God demanded through Isaiah to the people of Israel? Or the leaders of Israel, the people, 21 and verse 5. Prepare the table, set a watchman in the tower, eat and drink. Arise, you princes. Anoint the shield. Anoint the shield. The shield in itself won't do. Anoint the shield. Anoint the shield. Above all. Is it anointed? Is the Holy Spirit there? Is the Holy Spirit there? Anoint the shield. My shield of faith is powerless without the anointing. King Saul died. He's dead. His sons died. They all died in the battlefield at Gilba. Little later, the Philistines come. A day or so later, Philistines come. See what is written over there. So it happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain. They found Saul and his three sons had fallen on Mount Gilba. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among their people. What did they do? Then they put his armor in the temple of the Asherites and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. Cut his head, stripped his armor. He's basically saying that our God is more powerful than your God. That's why you lost. That's how the Gentiles always fought. They took his armor, everything, and took it to the temple of their God and kept the armor there. But they didn't take everything. Later, David will come to that place in Gilboa. In Second Samuel, he will say in 1 and verse 21, O mountains on Gilboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you for the fields of offering, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there. You know, when the Philistines came and was picking up the armor and the weapons of Saul, they looked at his shield and found there is no anointing on it. It is rusted. They threw it and went away. You know why he died? Because his shield had no anointing. They threw it there and went away. The mighty have fallen on Gilbo because there was no anointing on their shield. What does scripture say? Above all. Above all. Let your shield have anointing. Above all, pick up your shield. If your shield doesn't have anointing, because when the fiery darts of the enemy causing anger and lust and depression and discouragement, all these things is being shot at you. If there is no anointing on your shield, you cannot fight. 
Then ultimately like Saul, what happened? Because his shield has lost his anointing. What does that man do? Though he has a sword, the shield has no anointing. He falls upon his own sword and dies. His sword does not destroy the enemy. The sword destroys himself. Above all. Above all. Scripture says. Arise, O princess. Eat, drink and get up. Anoint your shields because Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. Do you have the faith to withstand what is coming upon this world? God says, anoint your shield. Anoint your shield. Because the shield is the shield of faith. Two things you need. The shield of faith. The sword of the spirit. When the fiery dart comes, you lift it up and say, snow. Snow. Doesn't touch me. And then you back with the word at the enemy. That's how you overcome. That's what God is talking about. Saul failed. And even the Philistines did not want his seal. Threw it there and went away. Why? It was not anointed with oil. What is the oil symbol of? The Holy Spirit. Symbol of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this question. Jesus talks about the end. The bridegroom coming. And he talks, says, there were ten virgins. Five wives, five foolish. And then, ta-da! Bridegroom is coming! Everybody had the lamb. Everybody fell asleep. So common. Everybody woke up. But when they tried to light their lamps, five found they had no no oil. What was missing? Oil was missing. Not the word was missing. Oil was missing. What was missing? Oil was missing. You know what? They said, give us some oil. Matthew. The wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourself. Just say no. No. Buy? Buy oil? I will say it very funnily saying, buy without paying a price. Buy? I thought it was free. Revelation? Two? Three? Yeah. I counsel you to? Buy from whom? I have to buy from you. Buy? It will cost you to get it. It will cost you to increase in it. It will cost you to keep it. It will cost you. It will cost you. It will cost you. It's not easy. You know what's the most difficult thing for a believer? 
hearing so most difficult thing reading is easy taking notes is also easy hearing do you remember ananias and sapphira coming to church first came ananias peter said offering time why did you lie to the holy spirit lie to whom do you know that if you are good you can lie to almost anybody and get away with it but you can never get away with the holy spirit you cannot why did you lie to the holy spirit he died offering service ended in burial service a little later wife comes asa why did you test Why did you test the Holy Spirit? Why did you lie? Why did you test? Yesterday, Pastor Vijay was talking about you were there, those who were there, you heard a lot. But in that context of Ephesians chapter four, God says, "Get rid of this. Get rid of this. Get rid of. This, get rid of. Get rid of all these things." a slander this thing that uh, anger bitterness all this get rid why and then do not grieve the all these things grieve who maybe you are so comfortable with it but he says i who live in you is not comfortable at all get rid of it get rid of it get rid of it don't grieve the holy spirit as ephesians 4:20 and first thessalonians 5:19 do not quench the holy spirit do not Quench the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter five thirty-two, what will the apostles say? The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey. Do you see how particular God is with His Spirit? Everybody can have the Word. You can sit with on the computer, often twenty tabs, and do your own study. But the Spirit is a different matter altogether. It doesn't come through the computer. and i told you our issue is with the holy spirit the more of the spirit you want the more it will cost you your dreams your plans your desires ultimately everything replace with god's dreams god's plans god's desires and god's everything did you get it are we getting it So what happened in Isaiah 21? Babylon, Babylon is fallen. So what about God's people? Isaiah 21 verse 9. Here, look, all the cloud images. Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. And what about God's people? Verse 10. Oh, my threshing floor, threshing and the grain of my floor, that which I have heard from the Lord of the hosts, the God of Israel, I have declared to you. My threshing and the grain of my floor. He says, "Look at the threshing floor. Look at the grain crushed. Dimak ke bati jal re. Ayo, go to Matthew chapter three. 
I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, and where does he wait? His winnowing fan in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn. He will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. He says, at the threshing floor. Well, Babylon, Babylon, these things are happening. My people are at the threshing floor. I am removing the, separating the wheat and the shaft. Who does it? The Holy Spirit does it. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Where does he wait? At the threshing floor. You know how they did old days? High place, up the mountain, free open area. The grain is brought, ground, and then they will bring it. And when the wind comes, they will throw. And the wind will separate the shaft and the... And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is like wind. Wind. He will separate the shaft and the wheat. The Holy Spirit is like fire. He will burn up the shaft so that it doesn't get mixed with the wheat again. You need, and I need, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to separate us and to destroy the things which bound us in the past. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That is the Holy Spirit's job. Now all our good intentions is not going to make any difference. Because God is raising up what he wants. A true set of worshippers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And where does he do that? At the threshing floor. A false priesthood won't be accepted. A true priesthood alone will be accepted. Here they are coming a winding path. From that place to Jerusalem. Huge procession is coming with band, baja, everything. What is coming? The Ark of the Covenant is coming. They are coming, the coming, 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 coming. And then they reach the threshing floor. The oxen stumbled. The priest died. Where was he judged? At the threshing floor. Who was waiting there? Spirit of God. At the threshing floor. The judgment of God over Israel for counting their fighting men. Where was it stayed? At the threshing floor. At the threshing floor. First Chronicles 21, 15. And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord looked and relented of the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying, It's enough! Restrain your hand! And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. There he stopped. The threshing floor, the judgment of you. This is the threshing floor and the spirit of God is doing its work. God says, stop it here. Let the judgment be outside, not inside because they are being separated inside. The shaft and the wheat are being separated. Stop it there. Stop it there. All these are the works of the Holy Spirit. At the threshing floor, his hand was stayed. Judgment was stayed where? At the threshing floor. At the threshing floor, you and I were redeemed. What did Naomi tell Ruth? Shower, change your clothes, put perfume, go in the evening. Where will be boss? Boss will be at the threshing floor. He will sleep. He will go to sleep. And when he sleeps down, go to his feet, uncover his feet and lie at his feet. At the threshing floor, Ruth was redeemed. The humble was redeemed 
at the threshing floor. The judgment was stopped at the threshing floor, while the casual was destroyed at the threshing floor. At all these places, who was there? The Holy Spirit. Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1. No. Where the... 31? No. Yes, 3-1. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father, David, at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Think about it. Who, who, who among us would pick a place to build a temple like that? This is going to be the greatest structure ever built for God on earth. What does God pick? The threshing floor. Build my temple there. That's where my hand stopped in judgment. And there, let my temple be built. You know what he's saying? God is saying, my temple is built in the lives of people who are allowing the Holy Spirit to judge them. That's where my temple is being built. Constantly hearing. The spiritual man judges all things. To judge all things, he and you and I, we need to hear. That's where the Holy Spirit waits. That's where we allow God to test us, judge us, separate us. And then God says, your sacrifice is acceptable. It's not by might. It's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So we come to the end. Our close, greatest struggle is with hearing. It is with hearing. Seven times in the new covenant, God says, all those who have ears, let them hear. We hear what the spirit says, not what man says, what the spirit says. And the eighth time God says in the book of Revelation is at the end. Revelation 22, verse 17. What does he say? The spirit and the bride say, come, let him. Who? Hears. What did you get from this? Now the bride and the spirit are speaking together. Meaning, who is the bride? The bride is a set of people who have constantly disciplined them to listen to the voice of God and the spirit and the bride have become one. Now together they are telling the others, here. Here. Our confidence comes from the word. I have hidden thy word in my heart. Our competence comes from the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we can do nothing. Pharisees had the Word. Jesus had the Word and the Spirit. That's why scripture says, how did he come? Full of truth. Full of grace. Our major issue is not with the Word of God. Our issue is with the Spirit of God. It's with the Spirit of God. And I can tell you, your age is irrelevant. Your qualifications are irrelevant. All those things are irrelevant. It doesn't matter who has overlooked you. It doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is, God shouldn't overlook you. Haven't you any more sons, Jesse? Ah, I forgot. One fellow is there. 
one fellow is there. Oh, call him. All the others are sanctified and dressed. Call him. He probably comes running from the wilderness. He was overlooked because he was not qualified according to the father. He was overlooked because he was little. But when the horn was taken, the anointing was upon his head. And I believe it flowed down. You know from Aaronic Psalm, it flows down and down and down. Here is David. The anointing that made the difference. When the evil spirit comes upon Saul, it's the anointing that made the difference, not this music. It was the anointing on the music that made the difference. Forty days, forty nights, Goliath comes and challenges. Fortieth day, early morning, David is going. If you put Goliath on a weighing machine, it would go like this and end. 300 kilos. If he steps forward, the needle on the rater scale will go 7. That is the earthquake he causes. Everybody was afraid. And then the boy comes. You know what made the difference? Just the anointing. It's the anointing that made the difference. You know what makes you different? You may be smaller than anybody. You may be less talented than anybody. You may be younger than anybody. You may have been discarded and overlooked by everybody. It doesn't matter. The anointing makes it up for it all. Old Testament or New Testament. That's why God said, my spirit Not by might, not by power, by my spirit. So we come back to the word and to the spirit. Shall we stand? Father, this morning we just come to you. We come to you, Father. We come to you, Jesus. We come to you, Spirit of God. You are the one who teaches You are the one who enables. You are the one who gives us the ability to speak. You are the one who brings to our remembrance everything that we have forgotten. You are the one who anoints both our shield and our sword for battle. Without you, we are nothing. With you, we can do all things. Today I pray, Father, there would be a surrender in our lives. And a hunger in our lives that we are not satisfied with the spirit we have. We are not. We need more of your spirit. For it is the spirit that makes all the difference. And you Invited everybody, all those who are thirsty, come and drink freely of the Spirit. See, anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that sets the captives free. It is the anointing that opens our eyes to the things of God. It is the anointing that brings liberty. To the prisoners in our homes, in our workplaces, those who are seated around us for days and weeks and months and years, it is the anointing. 
It was the anointing upon Paul and Silas that set the prisoners in Philippi free. And brought the jailer and his family into the kingdom. It was the anointing. Today I pray, Lord, your anointing come upon your church. A hungry, thirsty people, Lord. Cause us to hunger after you. Cause us to thirst after your spirit. Anoint us afresh, Lord. Today, that's my prayer, Lord. Anoint us afresh. This 22nd day of the ninth month, anoint. Anoint us, Lord. Let every yoke be broken in Jesus' name. Let unbelief be cast out in Jesus' name. Let the ears be opened in Jesus' name. Give us, O Lord, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we might truly, truly know you better and better as each day passes by. We need you, not less of you, Lord. More of you. More and more of you, Lord. That our lives would be totally transformed. And the anointing would flow from us into the lives of others. Equip your church in these last days. And all those who hear in the coming hours and days and weeks through the internet, let the anointing flow, Father. Because nothing can stop the anointing from flowing except unbelief, O oh Lord. So let the anointing flow through every media, Lord. Let it flow and set captives free and equip your church worldwide, Lord. Let it flow. Help us to walk and to live in your spirit. Thank you, thank you, Father. Once again, I bring the church under the blood of Jesus and the covering of the Holy Spirit. And I rebuke every form of sickness in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I speak healing into the body of Christ. And I speak strength into the body of Christ and peace into every heart. That the peace of God will guard our hearts, O Lord. It's the peace that the Holy Spirit brings. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Be with us and go with us. Without you, we can do nothing, Lord. With you and through you, we can do all things. Thank you, thank you, Father. And we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, we bless your holy name and we declare a God. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.